Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair as you watch the world go by. Good afternoon. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. Ask me, ask Eliza anything. It's time to ask. Ask me all your questions. Leave them in the Instagram comment section. Leave them on your Twitter or leave them on your Facebook. We'll see them. Tino, Tino, when you're tiny dog, peach half. I don't think there are more drums. Have you seen that video online? It's like these two young kids watching Phil Collins or hearing In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins for the first time. It's just these like two black kids who have never heard of him because they're like 15. Yeah. And like it was, it felt like a parent watching it because I knew where that drum drop was and yeah. they'd never heard it. And just watching the look on their face, like, oh shit. It's it's the purest thing. And I in caps tweeted like more of this, less of everything else in this fiery hellscape of a planet. <laughs> oh, you fire. My dad's made of fire. That's <laughs> a Balrog. It was a real mixing of genres, cultures, uh, generations. It was awesome. I bet there's a large chunk of people that just know it from uh, The Hangover. Uh, oh, yes. Very good call. Well, they're still, but they're so young that they may not even see The oh, Hangover. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. The people, the like people in their early 20s probably know it from The Hangover. Yeah. Anyway. I'm always like, welcome to another episode of Ask Lies Anything. You know where we are. You know what's happening. I would love if someone was like, what? What am I what? I thought this was a Wall Street Journal It's podcast. occasionally people in a podcast halfway through, like after the ad, that, well, what, you know, you just started listening. It's like, yeah. well, no, nobody is. And they're like, oh, but no. And then they do that joke. And I'm like, all right. You know what? It's, it's like, we're so used to the radio and doing ID tags. Like, by the way, because I know you're mindlessly scrolling because you're driving to work, you're listening to Farts FM. Yes. And so you had to deliberately come here. You know what you're listening to. You know what you pay for. Regular, just just people who listen to podcasts are very used to ID tags. They know what that is. like an ID tag. Um, Do you want to say what that is? An ID tag, well, they're call letters to say what you're listening to. Right. I don't think people know that that phrase. Yeah. Like, you're listening to Kiss FM. Like, there you have go. to say that because on your radio dial, you you don't really know. You just click the buttons looking for a song. And they're mm-hmm. like, just so you know, this station has all the hits. Just kidding. It's only Taylor Swift. And there's a lot of commercials about car insurance. Have Wait. you listened to that new Taylor Swift? I haven't. I like Taylor Swift. Though. I love her and I haven't either. People are so excited that I'm like, ah, it's too much pressure to listen to it right I now. I did watch the new Cardi B video with Megan Thee Stallion. People are excited. They're not excited that Kylie or Kendall, Kendall is in it. It's weird. And obviously she has like no real talent. She's just kind of walking. People are like, ah, fuck. <laughs> um, it, you know what I appreciate about it? The song is, the the lyrics are great. It's not, I didn't like... I wasn't listening to the chorus like, oh, fuck, this is a jam. What a bop. But I can really respect, even if this is not the type of woman that I am, I can really respect a woman owning her sexuality, just like every man does. So like you might be like, oh, that's raunchy. That's whatever. She is taking control. She's like, this is my vagina. I love having sex. It's delicious. And this is my body. Mm -hmm. And so while it may not be your aesthetic, I can still really appreciate a woman being like, I am not afraid. Like that's really walking the walk. Yeah. And checking the check. And there is some imagery in it. Very hyper stylized. It, you know, it's beyond the, just like a rap video where it's just like butt shaking. In fact, I don't think anybody shakes their butt in this. It's just a lot of tits out, high fashion, hair in the form of chains. Mm. There's like one wig that she has. Uh, so, you know what? Fuck yeah. Even the most basic of men's songs is like, and my dick is the best thing ever. And women are supposed to be like, I don't know what sex is. I'm, so, I'm such an angel. And Cardi's like, I'm ready to fuck. Put your dick in this mac and cheese. Mush it around. It's mushy, mushy. It's gushy, gushy. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. I, I also, but I don't know. For me, I'm like, I don't need to talk about how great my vagina is because you should want everything else about me. Vagina's going to be great regardless. It's going to be great. 
It's going to be great. No one's ever been like, I have sex with this girl. Her vagina is really spiky. It's fine. It's going to be great. <laughs> Girls, you do not need to clean your vaginas. They are self-cleaning. You do not need to add fragrance to them. You do not need to sell that they are perfect the way that they are, which is why people build empires, go to war, and kill people for sex. And women are like, I'm, I don't need to. I don't need it. <laughs> not Cardi. She's like, give me that. Give me that dick. Kick it. <laughs> Hannah Leah, 26, says, hi, Eliza, Emily, Chanfu, and Scott. I think I've listened to every single episode of this podcast. I don't remember anyone else asking this yet. Eliza, I was wondering if the questions you get for this podcast ever inspire you for a joke or bit in your comedy. Comedians usually draw on life experience and try to make jokes out of things. Oh, do they? Oh, and do they? It seems like these podcast submissions could definitely give inspiration in a sense of common life experiences. Just wondering, uh, the entire premise of the podcast is making jokes from people's experiences. So I'm wondering about jokes that have been made outside of the confines of the podcast itself. Not really because they're so premise heavy. However... In, you know, because we get a lot of similar tone questions, I have made fun of them in life. Just like, I've got a roommate. I'm huh. pretty sure we're both gay, but what do my boyfriend and I do, even though I'm a girl? Uh, a lot of people that are nurses. So I did a live show the other day and I made a joke about how all my fans are nurses, which uh -huh. is cool. It's just like, I, the demographic is revealing itself. Um, but no, not like on stage. Like another question I got. No, but I would say the questions kind of seem to... I would say they back up what you've said in the past. Yeah, I'm always really impressed with how thorough and consistent my advice is. I just, I just mean also the way that you speak about how people respond to things, I think has very much been backed up in the types of questions that people ask the podcast. So I, I think it it's just the kind of continued landscape of like how a woman might deal with a problem versus a man, et cetera, at, at the very like basic level. So yeah, yeah, it's all... Uh, not derivative of, but it all is on brand for the type of yes. things that I would say on stage. Right. But no, you do not inspire me. <laughs> so stop trying to sit here. I'm busy. And this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around. And I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Go to bolinbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe 
for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Erica, hey Eliza, thanks for still keeping the podcast going. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> thanks for listening and buying the product so we have sponsors. Yeah, that's all that's keeping us going. I mean, so you're welcome. Yeah, this you're is welcome. a nice, it's a nice like Symbiotic. scheduled um, uh, space that you have while touring isn't going on. I love it. My question for you is how do you keep your voice healthy and have you ever been scoped by an otolarin? Otolaryngologist, ear, nose, and throat doctor. I'm a recent graduate in speech language pathology with a bit of a special interest in voice. Your range piques my curiosity. Happy to hear your voice on a weekly basis. You know, (laughs) it is an instrument. And Mm. we would always laugh. There was a booker at the comedy store who was a singer, but he was the booker at the comedy store. And, you know, I'd call up and I'd be like, I lost my voice. I can't come in. He'd be like, well, you got to rest your instrument. It's just funny to call it an instrument. I guess it would be in the string section your vocal cords. Um, but, uh, I've definitely strained my voice, you know, um, in years prior, I've definitely, you know, you do like the Satan voice and then like this voice will absolutely just wear on your vocal cords. Um, and just talking so much. And so it became, I mean, there were times where I'd be sick or I just like blow out my voice, like without any warm up, you know, and you just think that you're invincible and then you're doing this and all of a sudden it just hurts Um, or you're just sick and you just lose it. And so I've definitely not only gotten scoped, I have a texting, a text relationship with my ENT, Dr. Jean Liu at Cedars. Um, I haven't been to see him for a while, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I've definitely got an endoscopy. Um, I've definitely... Uh, gotten steroid shots for it. You know, when you have several shows left, you sometimes have to find another register to speak in or not do the certain voices. So um, I I can't say that I take care of my voice like a singer would, but I've definitely had many a night in many a green war. I'm just sipping anything hot, honey, lemon, not speaking all day. You do it all just hoping that you, your voice will be there for that hour. A steroid shot works wonders. And in fact, when we were shooting the Eliza Schlesinger sketch show, I blew out my voice when we were doing all the tiny dogs. <laughs> At the end, I just went dogs and I screamed it and it wasn't, wor- and I lost my voice. So I lost my voice. We had to get a special doctor to come on set, give me a steroid shot. I had a gig that weekend in Las Vegas. So I had like a weird voice for that. And when I came back, it was like this and it was getting better. So in the lesbian kitchen sketch, and in the Patricia Palmer sketch that nobody seemed to like, where she's talking about being a CEO, I've completely <laughs> lost my voice in both. And you can hear that I sound a little different. Mm. What you have to remember is it's your instrument to take care of and nobody cares if you lose your voice, you better figure out a way to talk. So I've never, I've never not had a show because I've never canceled the show because of my voice. No. Yeah. You've been lucky. You've, you've, you haven't had anything super horrific. Yeah. There's a, you know. And you are talking, even if you're just doing a show where you're just talking, you know, it's an hour, um, but you try to take care of it. A lot of vocal rest. And don't be fooled. You can lubricate your vocal cords, but if you lose your voice, vocal rest is truly the only thing. Whispering is just the same as talking. Mm. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> to lose it anyway. Okay, anonymous from caffeine, someone. Sorry, caffeine, that's the other thing. You can't have that. So you're like, you want coffee, but you can't. Caffeine dries out your throat. Mm-mm. Anonymous, age 34. Important for this question. How would you handle an individual who thinks they're better qualified simply because they are older? Context. I've been in management for a corporation for many years and recently was promoted to general manager overseeing an entire facility. I have an employee who is constantly being a mother hen and can't understand why I've been promoted and they have not when realistically it's their personality and poor management style that is standing in their way. I'm sorry. I was ordering a pizza. 
for tonight. Can you please read it again? I was texting okay. that I, I, I'm okay with garlic and onion. <laughs> Do you need to keep do all you another question about it? Mother hen 34. Okay. Mother hen 34. No, this person isn't the mother hen. Okay, let okay, me. I'm ready. How do you handle an individual? No one else was listening for what it's worth. <laughs> how would you handle an individual who thinks they're better qualified simply because they're older? Context. I've been in management for many years, recently was promoted to general manager overseeing an entire facility. I have an employee who is constantly being a mother hen and can't understand why I've been promoted and they have not when realistically it's their personality and poor management style that is standing in their way, which has been discussed on reviews. There's a 20-year difference between us. So this person's 34, the other person is 54, works for the 34-year-old and is out here like... Uh, why aren't I in charge of you? Yeah. And that's it? Uh, How do you handle an individual who thinks they're better qualified simply because they're older? I mean, you just got to show them all day, every day, why you're in charge. You know, it sucks because it's really not something they need to be taking up with you. There's, it's the person above you that promoted you. Right. That they need to take issue with. And if it gets, you know, there's always, I'm not great at this, but there's always something to be said for like, getting to know someone as a person and it might bother you less. Mm. She also may have great ideas and she's just not the best leader. Um, So there's always a version where you take her for a cup of coffee and you say, you know, I appreciate that you've been doing this forever and I always want your input and your insight. Um, I'm just trying to make this easier because I do have to be your boss and I don't want you to feel slighted, but you know, I also need to do my job. Mm -hmm. And if she's a, I doubt she'll be a bitch about it. Cause I don't, I mean, she's taking it out on you, but it's not your fault. And women, people do that. It's like, who's in closest proximity Yeah, you. So there's that. Um, I always, I always like to know what the job is. Like I'm ahead of the deep fryers. Okay. It's a corporation overseeing a corporate facility. I, I just, I think also, I wonder if you brought up it as an issue of respect. Like, you know, it, it makes me feel disrespected that you don't listen to me and that you are constantly questioning my leadership. Like, because when she brings up that she should be in charge, that's slighting you. But also, you know what you could say to her? Be like, why? She'd be like, because I'm older. And you'd be like, you know, there's always like the head on and be like, why should you be in charge? You don't want to do that. I'm just saying like, if it gets to a point where you can be like, because the God's honest truth is you're 20 years older, you've been doing this longer and you're not in charge. That should speak volumes. Well, the fact that in her reviews, it's been said that it's personality and poor management style. Like she cannot do the job. So it's it's not on you. Yeah. You're going to have to just do what managers do. And maybe I suggest reading Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People Mm -hmm. and figure out a way to win her over. Hi. Hi, teeny (laughs) dumpling mouth woman. Tommy says, Timmy. Hi, Eliza. I'm currently in my second year of school for marine bio. Oh, it's Tommy with an I. I knew it was a girl. girl. Only girls do marine biology. Uh, And I'm not doing- It's Tommy. It's two M's. (laughs) Tommy. And I'm not doing great. Passing, but struggling really hard with math. I am great at the biology and chemistry side of it because I'm actually interested in these things. However, I know math is only going to get worse from here on out. This is something I've wanted to do my entire life, but math is seriously kicking my butt. What advice or motivation do you have to help me just put my head down and push through this? It's pretty crazy you got this far, being that bad at math and yet made it into your second year. I don't know how many, I don't know, it's like a four-year normal degree or what, Hmm. but um. I was really, I, as you're saying, I was like, I hear you, sister. I was really bad at math. I was very good at physics because it's, it's more logical, I guess. I, for some reason, I was good at physics. Mm. Horrific at chemistry. I, a lot of rules. Chemistry was okay. I did so badly at statistics. I had to go and like beg. I, I would study so hard. I would go to all of the teachers after our sessions. Yeah. We would go over it. I've never had something where I did so much work and just I would take the tests and get like D's. And I'd be like, I don't understand. I've never worked this hard never on had anything. Sometimes you just don't get it. Uh, but, you know, I can't give you that motivation. Like, I don't know how much math is involved in taking the rectal temperature of a manatee. You know, it's one of those things where it's like they make you do all that, but then you get in the real world, you're like, am I using this math? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so the answer is do not let something as small as the present stand in the way of your future. Yeah. It's, if you're, you're really dedicated to it, you've gotten this far, the math sucks. It's like you just, you have to do everything you can to study for it. Do everything you can, get tutoring outside, start a study group, do everything you can and just know that you've done your best and that's all that you can do. And also, like, 
sometimes it, we take this comfort and being like, I'm trying really hard. There's no ribbon for second place in life. There's no like consolation. Like you did try hard. Here's an extra career. Eat or be eaten. This is a very competitive field. A lot of people want to try to save the planet. So you got to buck up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, whether it's hiring a tutor, figuring out a way to understand this math. Uh, if you can do extra credit for a different percentage of your grade or something. Um, but don't let this, once you get out in the real world, like, it's not going to matter. Don't let this small thing trip you up. Because no. by the way, if it's not math, it'll be something else in mm. another job. Like I have, there's parts of my career. I'm like, oh, my, like, I don't like doing press. I hate doing radio press because it's seldom is it a great interview. It's usually like, you're, how did you get funny? And you're like, oh, God, I'm like, so you host excused. I'm like, not for a decade. So, but I just, I got to grin and bear it. Cause you got to sell those tickets sometimes in some markets where you're not. Do you want to know what still gives me anxiety? So I have to put it in my calendar. Like usually I just, I do my work throughout the day and there's like a checklist of things I need to get done, but I have to put this in my calendar at a time to make myself do it. And it's- Brush your teeth. Yes. Uh, making phone calls still makes me very anxious. So like mm. if I need to call someone and ask about something, I have to put it in my calendar because mm. if I just say I'm going to do it tomorrow, it's not going to happen because I'm going to keep putting it off. And it's very important in any job. Figure out a way. Look, you're clearly an academic person. I always liked taking notes, not because I like paying attention, but because I did it with color coding. Mm. And I had like green would be dates and yellow would be side fact. And I had the most beautiful notes and I loved engaging with it. So find a way to make it fun. Maybe you get a coffee treat after you make your flashcards, mm. study group, you know, figure it out. And doing things in pieces. Like if you say, I'm going to work on this for 10 minutes or like, I need, I, I've read that this is really effective. You say like, I'm going to work on this for five to 10 minutes. Usually once you start it, you just keep going with it. Cause after yeah. you've been doing it for five to 10, you're just like, all right, I'm in it. So figure it out. Uh, don't, I said something very prophetic earlier. Don't let something as small as the prison stand in the way of your future. Mm -hmm. by the way these a lot of these questions today are coming from your text messages you text with people people yeah, can guys. text you at 323-370-4480 it's in eliza's instagram you can go and click the text button and then she'll talk to you and she put out a little call for questions uh and so sometimes we have, we have a special ask eliza anything group on there. So if you text Eliza with a little emoji of an envelope, you'll get added to that list. Isn't that cute that and we then, set that up, that I had that idea? Yeah. And then Eliza will tell you like, if there's uh, a loop live, like you guys get to buy tickets before anyone else. Yeah. A loop live or like a live super secret comedy show or my own comedy revolver, things yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. So get the inside track on what's cool. So that's where we're getting our questions today. So thank you guys who- thank you so who, much text and submit questions. That's why we've just got like human names today. Like the next question comes from Chelsea. Chelsea. <laughs> who asks, do you consider yourself an outdoorsy girl, camping, hiking, et cetera? That's me. Anyone who knows me. I was thinking about this. I was like, I don't know if she is, but I don't know if she isn't. That's You're me, not, baby. not. I'm very hobby fluid. Mm. I'm very perception fluid. I kind of am. Some people think I'm something. Some people think I'm others. I am multifaceted. Mm. Um, I do a whole bit. I think it's in Freezing Hot about hiking and why it's bullshit. That being said, you know, it's got to be the right condition. I remember in my early 20s, some friend of mine was like, it's my birthday. I want to hike all of Topanga, which for those of oh. you who don't know, is where they shot the opening sequence for MASH. Ask your parents. Um, and we went on this like death march. And then at the top <laughs> of the hill, we ate like chocolate cake. And I was like, okay, we need water. And then we went for pizza. And I was like, this day is so fucked. It was so hot. Um, I love being in spot, like in a beautiful setting. It's nice to take a hike. Typically I'm like, is there food? Are there drinks after? I would go camping. It's gotta be with the right people, the right mm. drugs, the right setting. I do, I can get very hippie-ish and crunchy in the right semi-luxurious, oops, semi-luxurious outdoor setting. Um, but no, I wasn't raised in like a rugged outdoor thing and I've never like milked a cow. Mm. Um and I don't want to ride a horse. I'm not outdoorsy. Like I don't have like an REI carabiner and like I do have hiking boots, but like, I don't know. If somebody was like, hey, I've got a really fun thing, I'd be down. Mm -hmm. I'm usually down if you're like, hey, come do something in my world for once. I'd be like, okay. Yeah. But that's it. Okay. I like looking at moss and lichen, pretty trees, mm -hmm. things like that. Hannah says, hi, Eliza, baby arm, snow peach, smoky husky. Is hot Scotty ever making a comeback? Miss his voice. He passed away. Uh, no, he's fine. He went to the horseless carriage. I know. You told me this. I'm telling the listeners. He I went told, back. You told them that. No. You told them. Did you told I? them last episode. You, 
I don't think I Horse's do. Carriage, for those of you that don't know, is a restaurant attached to a car dealership that we all thought was so funny. And he goes there for his meal. <laughs> Kick it. I am a teacher during this shit show happening in our country right now. We what clo- are you talking about? Everything's great. <laughs> we closed in March, worked my ass off to teach special ed online through Zoom, and currently oh are on God. track to go back online in a few weeks. I'm not a huge fan of my position, and this pandemic has really shown how expendable I am. Aww. I, like all teachers, am underpaid and am scrutinized for not wanting to teach in person until it is safe to do so, but I will do whatever I am told to do, so... I will do so whatever I'm told to butt. do because I obviously don't want to get fired. My dream is to one day have my own classroom, either first or second grade. This is going to be my third year of special ed. This pandemic has really shown how underappreciated and expendable teachers are to the orange dictator. Can I say this? I think I can and all others in power, especially when I saw education's budget compared to the police budget, but that's a whole other story. Here's where I need help. If I do not get my dream job in the next three years, so six years total of teaching, would I be crazy to try to do something in the HR field or something hospitality-wise? I went to school for education, paid out the ass for my tests and licenses, but maybe if in six years I can't achieve my dreams, it's time to find a new one. In three years, I'll be 27. Am I crazy? I used to always be so sure of what I wanted to do, but this year has shown the true colors of how teachers are treated, which is more shitty than I what I went in knowing. Well, two things. One, your dreams can shift. Like your goals going in, like once you actually, everyone's like, oh, I want to be a comedian. Then you get here, you're like, oh my God, this is horrific. Like the way that it's portrayed is seldom the way that it actually is. Every industry, teachers are grossly underappreciated. Not only are they underpaid, but now we have to like arm them. Mm. Um, and you're in charge of so your healthcare worker, your policeman, your safety, your everything. It's, it's, and you're paid a dollar. Um, Every job has, just like everybody says to me, like, oh, you should write a script about my office. <laughs> everybody, you know, whether it's real estate or insurance, every job has its bullshit, dark underbelly, ever, especially stand-up comedy. Um, it's a little weird that you didn't know that. It's pretty much common knowledge that t- teachers are treated like Garbo. Um, but, you know, when you have a dream you enjoy working toward that dream. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And so, you know, it sucks to see other people succeeding and you feel like you're failing. Maybe, I I don't know you. What if you're not meant to be a teacher? Mm. I don't know how long it takes to get your own classroom. I didn't know that that wasn't a thing. I thought you'd just become a teacher. Um, But you don't have to think about what's going to happen in three years from now. Anybody can get a job in HR if you have like a bachelor's degree, I'm pretty sure. So maybe there's like something else that you need, but- I'm not putting down people that are in that, but it's not like brain surgeon where you need like special board certified uh, plaques. So just take a breath. It will never be harder or worse than it is right now. And maybe it's a different school district. Maybe you switch schools, you know, maybe you change your approach, but you don't need to ask me or think about in three years, should I just change it? This idea, like if I'm not where I want to be in three years, well, what if things change? What if in three years, what if you're your own family? What if you move? What if you... There's so many, you don't have to think about that. You have to think about what it is that you want out of life, what you enjoy doing, what you like about teaching and move in that direction. Mm-hmm. That's all, because I can't, I can't tell you. You can always get another job. Right, and it's not unreasonable during this pandemic when things are affecting teachers so disproportionately that you would be like, you know what, it's not worth it. I mean, I think you got to wait and see how it shakes out a little further, but also, it, it also would make sense that you'd maybe be like, ugh. Grass is always greener and nobody likes HR. Kick it. At Just Moseying Along. Hi, Liz and Emily. I adore the pod. Think you are both endearing, clever, and insightful. Thank you for the incredible theme song. I spend a good portion of my commute time inventing very weird car dance moves to it. Now, a question. (laughs) I was wondering how you handle the black hole of pure rage that can accompany that time of the month. What are some ways of physically and emotionally coping slash using this hormonal fury that won't get me chucked in jail? I exercise with sword fighting classes and running and distract myself with reading and watching things I love, but still get this massive sense of impending doom every month. She's like, I exercise by sword fighting outside of a class in public in line at the grocery store. The the women I know don't seem to experience it quite as intensely. Is this just the PMT fury or is it genuine existential dread slash stress? As I search for my purpose in this world, help, help me. I think you need to see a doctor. Because there are medications that you can take to manage that. I mean, most people, it's like, ugh, I feel fat. It's a cramp. But if you're really bringing the word existential dilemma into this, I think maybe 
And I need to see a doctor. Maybe some anti-anxiety medicine or something, because that's not a thing I tend to hear a lot. The anxiety versus I'm in pain or I'm just a little bit irritable. Um, I don't have a ton of experience, you know. I get dread. Dread? But I also. I'm, dread that your period's coming or no, dread? just in general. Okay, and but I'm like, oh, that's why. I would see a doctor because I think there are, I, I hate to just say prescriptions, but I think there are treatment options uh, if, because you shouldn't have to go through that big of a chemical swing and there's ways to manage it. Maybe meditation, but I don't want to, I don't want to downplay the severity, but I also don't want to just be like, oh, that sucks. Deal with it. So I would see a doctor because hmm. I don't think I could tell you something like me being like, just enjoy it and like know that you're a woman. Like, fuck that. It's the pain is annoying. And some people, it, it is a PMT or PMS is a very serious thing that goes undiagnosed because women are gross and our bodies are gross and who cares, but find a lady doctor and mm. get some, get some uh, diagnoses. Yeah. But I feel dread. So you're not alone. Yeah. But that's not period related. Yeah, it is. It In is? In addition to my general dread. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You're a mess. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> Wendy says, how did you and Hunter find each other? And when did he start opening for you? He was on the podcast ages ago, but yeah. now that Worst like episode you're- we've ever had. No, but now that you're like, you've done his show and stuff, you know, maybe. He sent me, he tells the story because he remembers it better than I do. We should almost call him and put him on speaker. He ran a show slash runs a show in LA called Super Secret. Uh, and it was at a venue on La Brea. And he just sent me an email and asked me to do it. You know, when you're in town, you do guest spots around town, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And the crowd was so great and he was getting, you know, other headliners. It wasn't just some like uh, shitty open mic. And the crowd was so great. And he says, I went up to him after and I was like, why am I, do- why am I not doing this every night? And so we just, you know, and then like I listened to his set and I, I was inviting different people on the road with me and I invited him because mm-hmm. I, I liked his stuff and we just became friends and he just was so great. Not only do I respect his material um, and his work ethic, but he and I get along really well. We complement each other. Right, which is good when you're spending a ton of time oh my God, together. Yes. So that's it. It just grew into a friendship. I think it's great. We were talking about this the other day. Like there's never been a sexual question, which is also mm. really helpful for friends. Like he's we, very respectful. He has a hot wife. He's a hot wife. And he, from the beginning, always really respected me and yes. works hard. I don't like comics that complain or wait for things to come to them. He's receptive for advice, but he also has the heart of a comic. So- I I root for him. Yeah, he's very smart, and he's um he's got the super secret happening on uh, online now. Like yeah, he's, you can. He's got he keeps things going. Like he's, going. he's a he's a genuine fan of comedy, and um makes my life easier. Yeah, it's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet. While introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. And they have fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state of the art laundering facility. Plus, the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable, and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's. And enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Do you find yourself searching for true crime podcasts that are different from what you're always recommended? Do you want to make a real difference in the cases that you're following? Well, you're a crime junkie. And I'm Ashley Flowers the creator and host of the number one true crime podcast, Crime Junkie. There are hundreds of episodes already available, and each Monday we dive into the details of cases spanning from some of the most infamous to those that you have never heard covered before. Listen to Crime Junkie podcast now, wherever you're listening. Jen, hello, Eliza and Emily. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. I'm 40 years old. You're not calling Jen. Okay, you're writing. And I'm starting graduate school in Should a few weeks. I'm 40 weeks. years old? Yes. I have to write it down. 40 years old, starting graduate school in a few weeks. 
Most of my cohort will be in their early 20s. It's always been a dream of mine to practice medicine, and I went back to school to show my kids that you can achieve your dreams at any age with hard work and dedication. Eliza, you work with a lot of people across a large age range, so my question is, what can I do to relate to my peers who are so much younger than me? Our life situations are wildly different, but I want to be able to connect with my classmates. Thanks. Well, I don't really. Um, Headlining, you kind of are by yourself. I will go do sets, and there's other comics there. But I'm not really, you know, we're all kind of sort of within this like 30 to 40 range. And there's newer comics that have success, you know, but especially in LA, like age just kind of disappears. You're like, someone could be 21 and be making several million dollars and that's your contemporary. You know, I'm in a green room with David Spade, who I watched in movies as a kid, but now we're on the same lineup. So the lineup is kind of the great equalizer. Um, I would worry less about relating to, you're going to, for, to be a doctor? Uh, medical school. Okay. Um, first of all, practice medicine. Congratulations to you. I practice medicine all the time. Um, I don't think you need to worry about relating to your peers. You are there. You've waited a long time. It's very expensive. You are there for your education. Yes. You want to like bond with kids so you can have like study groups and it's nice to be with these people. But first of all, those kids are very smart. And I remember, I can just say this. I remember in my, in film school, there was a guy in my class I think his name was James. And it's so weird because he was on the set of Spencer Confidential because he lived in Boston. I went to school in Boston. And here we are like 15 years later, he was working on the set of the movie I did. Oh yeah, that's weird. He's James Doyle. Anyways, but he was in my class in like a film production class at Emerson. Mm -hmm. And we had to pair off to do a group project. And I was like, I'm going with that guy. He's obviously going to do all the work. And he obviously knows something because he's here with like a family. And he helped us with like our project and it was great. So it's not like high school or regular college. You're in medical school now. So it's not the same like fratty, like who's going to date who? Like you're all there working really hard at a goal. So I think you'll find that people just want to be around you because you're smart and or they just don't care and you're just in a group. It's less of a popularity contest. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, look, you're never going to relate to them in the same you way that to. a bunch of 20-year-olds relate to each other. By the but way, you don't want to. You don't care about TikTok and Jake Paul Did going to jail for like I don't rated? care. What a, all just awful. Just lock him up. Kick it. Anonymous, seems you and your husband did have COVID early on. How are the symptoms for you? How do you think you're infected? And how long did it take you to recover? I, you know what? I'm a trace back your infection. I'm a bad, I can tell you where I got it. I'm a bad celebrity because now all these celebrities are like, I had COVID. I tested for antibodies and everyone's getting all this attention. And I didn't because I thought it was kind of like a grubby thing to do. And also there was like a low key amount of shame at the time. And when we had it, we weren't tested for it. It was months later that I got the antibody test, but I knew I had it. I just didn't want to be one of those people like who was, because everyone's always trying to get attention. And uh, at the very beginning, our mindset was a lot different. So um, before I traveled to like Indiana, where like no one had it. And then I came home. Um, But we did practice very safe meet and greets at those shows. I remember I felt like I had a fever. Uh, I just remember I felt warm and very tired. Very like, I felt like I was 90 years old and my body ached like when you have the flu, like it was in my bones. And there were like two days where, and not aching like I was crying, just you're tired, like it's just sore. And then there were like two days where I was freezing. I could not get warm, just in blankets all day. Very, very cold. Um, And it really is just a general feeling of kind of cruddiness. Like you just don't feel great. I at no point felt I needed medical attention. We live in a very hilly area and we walk the dog up and down these hills all day. And I did have to sit down one day after walking up a hill, which is weird because like I work out every day, but I was a little out of breath in general. And then there was four to five days where I lost my sense of taste and smell. That was it. I, some people obviously need medical attention. They're in hospitals. A lot of people die. For me, it was mild. It felt cruddy, but it wasn't horrific. I just kind of felt gross. But we did Don't Panic Pantry every day that we had it. You know, I still did my work. I even worked out on some days. So the beginning was a little rough, but you know, it's fine. I got through it. I would not like it again, but if it happened again, you know, you just, you just rest a lot. Hmm. Lauren. Hey, got a question. Any tips for beating insomnia? Some people have genuine insomnia and that's like a chemical thing. Here are the tips. 
Stop looking at your phone like a half hour before bed. Let's do an hour. Call this good sleep hygiene. An hour before my uncle invented these blue light blocking sunglasses that you can wear. When we went to stay at his house in Ohio, we all wore them before bed. I don't know. Um, I found a meditation app. There's this one. Um, it's called Headspace, which everyone knows about. But there's this one meditation called Middle of the Night. And it starts with the woman going, you didn't ask for it. You don't deserve it. But here you are, awake. Millions of other people. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I didn't ask for it. Sometimes the lulling of someone else's voice puts you to sleep. I caution the ones that have like um, those healing bowls that like, because there's nothing worse than you're sleeping. All of a sudden you just hear like, you're like, oh, that'll wake you up. Uh, A a low key podcast. I fall asleep to my own podcast, (laughs) listening to it on an airplane. Um, Podcasts are good. There's something about the voices put you to sleep. Uh, Glass of warm milk. I'm a big fan of melatonin, mm-hmm. but if you have genuine insomnia, you might want to consider a doctor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was really furious as a kid when I was having a lot of issues sleeping and I went to a doctor and they made me fill out all this stuff. And they're like, you just, you, before we'll do any tests, like you need to not use your computer or phone hour before bed. You need to have all screens, not in the same room where your bed is. You would you be to- a furious kid. <laughs> I was just like, what? I don't want to do all this. I just want you also, to fix it. you know, working out. Like, and then mm-hmm. going to, I mean, I can't tell you, I don't know. I definitely have dealt with not being able to sleep, but there are quieting your mind things, you know, kind of letting your body, a warm bath. Mm-hmm. Kick it. Anonymous. I have a close friend who I've been chatting with over the past year or so. Fucking with, fucking. He's been separated from his wife a few months longer than that. Lies. They're still together. He's had a little minor trouble with the law, and I keep cautious tabs on him by occasionally checking the repository website. This sounds worse more than a repository website. Maybe it's like the uh, headshots, the mugshots. Mugshots. Okay. This sounds worse the more I write out. Anyway, it does. I didn't get a response to a message I sent over a week ago and got a gut feeling to check. He was arrested for something slightly worse than minor and has been in jail about a week now waiting for a preliminary hearing. I'm sure he'll be released once a hearing date is set because the charge isn't something I would I imagine care. him being held any longer for. Yeah, well, Once he is out, I know he'll message me, but what am I... What I'm guessing is he won't be upfront about why I haven't heard from him. Do I just let it go because it's really none of my business or do I tell him I know the truth? You can definitely tell him you know the truth and also like why are you bothering with this person? This person is married. This person is a criminal. This person shows no signs of, oh, I'm leaving my wife and I love you um, or I'm going to get my life on track. Um, Women do this. It's like a guy that can offer you literally nothing and you're like, well, I'm bending over backwards. Move on. I don't even care. I don't even care if he was falsely accused. Move on. Yeah, the fact that you're like, I haven't heard from his text. I should check to see if he's in jail. No. Oh, he is. And he didn't call you because you know what? He called his wife. Move on. Move on. Yeah. Kick it. Okay. Rachel from Marina, California says, first, congrats on Spencer Confidential. By the way, a red flag to you, I'm so sorry, should be that you're like, oh, should I tell him the truth? You should always feel free to tell him the truth. Right. So I don't know why he's trying to save face. Obviously, you're attracted to him. You don't want to embarrass him. Yeah. Move, get, move, just run. Do not walk away from this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Back to me and my movie. Rachel from Marina, California. First, congrats on Spencer Confidential Thank being you. one of the top five viewed movies on Netflix ever. Super stoked for you. You hear that, town? <laughs> what is your definition of success? For some people, it's getting married and having a family of their own. Others, it might have to do with a good career they landed. I've been asking numerous people lately, and everyone seems to have a different answer. I'd love to know your thoughts. As always, hello to your sweet tofu snow peach, Swigieski, digging the DPP post. Thanks for being such a positive influence for us. To me, success is such a shifting goalpost. You know, your goals five years ago are not the same as they were yesterday. Um, I think success is being able to freely do what you want to do on whatever scale when you want to do it. Success is not having to pitch yourself. It's it's being able to make your choices and take control freely, having the freedom to make your dreams come true uh, and have it be easier and easier. That's success, you know? So you make a million dollars. It's like, well, what are you going to do with that million dollars? You know, now you're in a position where you can control more money or you can control other people's career paths and you can help, you know, it's having the vantage point of mobility and being able to do more things on your own terms. To me, that's success. That's it. 
There you go. Question. Hi, everyone in the Allies Squad. I hate cooking. <gasps> like, completely hate all things about it. Prep, waiting while everything cooks, all the pots and pans clean after. I swear I, I'm not lazy. Yeah. I just hate cooking. I hate waiting, and I hate cleaning. <laughs> Ironically, I love watching Don't Panic Pantry, and I want to try out a recipe, but I have legit zero ingredients or patience. Is there a go-to recipe that you make when Smoky Husky isn't there that's simple, tasty, and healthy besides a smoothie? I live off them, LOL. Is there a recipe I make when he's not here? You eat smoothies and you eat toast. I'm very good at making turkey sandwiches. I, as we all saw in Don't Make Pantry, I'm not great at making macaroni and cheese. I can make a chicken breast. Um, yep. Mm. But it's not like I'm in, incapable. I just don't want to buy a steak, fry it. Like I just, I'd rather just snack, subsist and snack. Snack and subsist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll eat a canned soup. It's great. Yeah, my grandpa was a big grazer and you just would want to have out various little I'm a grazer. of nuts and then he's fine. Nuts he's like, I great. don't eat dinner. I ate, I ate a handful of walnuts from over there. I ate some chocolate chips from over there. I filled up on snacks. Yeah. Uh, I'll eat a half an avocado with salt and pepper on it. Mm. That's a filling lunch. You have don't you ever need put an egg in there? Never put an egg in there, but I've put tuna, which is fine. Canned tuna is good. Um, you don't need a lot to get full. That's the big American myth is that you need like sides and a dessert. If you're having lunch... Sorry, if you're having dessert at lunch, you're a monster. Um, what if it's the Reese's that comes with the Lunchable? You should be having a Lunchable. You're a monster. You're a grown woman. You're a 45-year-old woman masquerading <laughs> as a child. Kick it. But yeah, cooking doesn't bring me any joy. No. So. But I, Postmates also doesn't bring me any joy. So a lot of times it's like, what's in the back of this cupboard? I yeah. call Noah. I'm like, is this milk good? He's like, smell it. If it smells bad, it's bad. I'm like, can you come smell it? I'm scared and I'm alone in my home. <laughs> Anonymous, my sister-in-law has really turned into an unintentional witch. Bitch, she's a real bee. What I mean is she went through some major emotional trauma last summer. She lost a baby. With her then fiance yeah, and she just baby. snapped. Since then, she has been really mean to both my husband and I, but she never comes back and apologizes. She snaps at us, goes off, accuses us of crap, and then acts like everything is fine. And when everything is fine, she's super sweet. We live 12 hours apart. She said many horrible things about me to my husband and within earshot of me. But since it was leading up to her wedding slash at her wedding, we didn't want to rock the boat by telling her to check herself. We've had drama with my mother-in-law and also an aunt on that side, but I've made peace with the mother-in-law and I decided the aunt isn't worth the time of day. No. But the sister-in-law just pretends that all the crap she said never happened. The worst thing is she implied my marriage to her brother was invalid and has never apologized to us for that. Now that her wedding is over, she's acting like everything's fine. How do I approach her and let her know the reason my husband and I haven't really responded to her or talked to her is because of how she treated us? It hurts double for me because I had her as a bridesmaid in my wedding, but ever since then, she's acted like I only exist as my husband's purse. I don't know. This seems like a lot to unpack. I mean, you have two options. You can either, because it doesn't seem like she said to you, hey, why have you been weird? Yeah. You're hoping she does. And it seems like there's something wrong with her. Um, if there's something chemically wrong with her, then it, it's not that it's not her fault, but like it's probably out of her control. Let's say she's just a giant bee. You can always put it in a letter. You can always pick up that phone because it's a shame when family like just doesn't talk over things. And also you don't know what info she's getting on that side. You are a human with feelings and you're allowed to say, hey, you said all this stuff and it was really hurtful because I don't know what I did to you. Is there uh-huh. something I did wrong? Uh-huh. Put it there. There's also the version where she just fucking sucks and it's just going to be that way. Also, have your brother who is her, have your husband who is her brother, you know, stand up for you. Yeah, I'm curious as to his involvement 12 hours away, she just might be a fucking bitch that you never deal with. Yeah. But you are, you know, it clearly bothers you because you clearly have a heart. It's worth picking up the phone or writing it and just being like, I want to clear the air. You know, super unarmed. Maybe there's something you did or she, you know, you'll also suss out like maybe she's crazy. She could be bipolar. She could have like a chemical imbalance that she's dealing with. You don't know. So Mm -hmm. you don't know. And you said she had like a stressful thing. So I don't know what that was. Yeah. But uh, talk it out Mm -hmm. or fucking drop it and never see her again. Yeah. Either option is fine. Kick it. Hi, Eliza, baby arm, hot sky number one, and tiny baby snow peach. <gasps> Tino, Chino, snow peach. I'm 31, I'm gay, and I moved in with another 31-year-old gay man just before quarantine because we love each other. Okay. We've been together since last year, so not that long. But okay, we- so you're together. Yeah. It's not just like two guys that are gay that aren't together. Okay. No. We really so work- my boyfriend. I'm gay and I'm with my boyfriend. 
It's a weird way to put it. Got to be honest. Okay. But we really work well together and I see this happening for all of the foreseeable future. My question is, do I propose or wait for him to do so? Oh, I don't know. I feel like it's like if you feel, if you guys have, probably you want to make sure that you're on the same page about it. Yeah. Have you but ever if you talked about your future? It, yeah. If you've discussed your future, I feel like either of you can propose. If you feel it in your heart, you want to propose, then you propose. It's a great way to accelerate things because there's a version where you propose and they're like, oh, I do not feel that. And then you know, at least you know. Mm. But I know, like, there's a thing you're like, I want to be the one who's proposed to, but life doesn't always, you don't always get to be the princess, princess. So. <laughs> I would just do, if you love this person and you want to kick it into high gear, go for it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Devin. Hi, Eliza, Emily, Devin? and little Tianfu. Devin? Devin. 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 I recently started seriously dating this guy. We were casually seeing each other before COVID, but we had feelings for each other, so we decided to quarantine together. Should I propose? It's been going well, except for something that happened earlier this week. A friend of mine, along with the two of us, got involved in a conversation about gender politics. He stated that he believes that people who are born as one sex but identify as another gender are what he considers to be mentally ill. I was absolutely horrified. The very concept of being mentally ill, of questioning gender, was taken out of the DSM years ago. What's DSM? Uh, it's it's the psychology, like, manual of disorders. Um, like, being gay was a disorder in the manual, like, 100 years ago or whatever. But, but they only come out with a new one every, like, 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, just taken out. Uh, it led to a huge fight, but now he's just pretended like nothing happened. As a high school teacher of students who grapple with the role of gender in their own lives and someone who is very liberal, I'm very disturbed by his statement and it's been bothering me for days now. I'm not sure if I should end it with him. I can see a future with him, but this along with a few other small issues has been making me question that now. He's such a great guy and has always treated me incredibly, but this might be a cross over my boundaries. What are your thoughts? We had another question like this recently where it's like the person just, it was, remember it was like an Asian girl and oh, the boyfriend the boyfriend which, was like a little we never heard back i hope he didn't kill her um look this is not this is about that but it's also about the way that you guys view the world mm. and this is about your personal politics and your personal social views because chances are if you're the kind of person who like me or like any intelligent person believes that uh, first of all trans rights are human rights but also it's not a mental disorder um like meaning you're not mentally ill you're perfectly capable of being a human, because you are, just like everyone else, no matter what you're born, no matter what you decide to transition to, um, I feel that that will leak into other things with him when it comes to, I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but it might when it comes to women's rights or um, flat earth or saving the planet or how Black Lives Matter. Kids. How you raise kids, religion, stuff like that. So I think what he has given you is a gift um, because you're now getting some real insight into who he is. Now, there's a version where you could change that. And I do believe a uh, calm discourse helps change minds versus like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Stan? How can you not see that? Maybe calmly asking, be like, is there any way to change your mind? Can I, you know, I pulled up this website, you know, people want, well, I don't think that people I would think would want to get better. And you could say, this is a real issue for me because this is how I choose to live my life. So he may have just shown you that he's not the guy for you, or with a little bit of coaxing, he might be able to see the way. There are plenty of people, you know, I voted for Trump and I wouldn't do it again. Or I hated gay people, but now I totally get it. You know, some people just need like a little light bulb turned on. Mm-hmm. Some people don't want that. So see it through, see if there's any changing. And if not, this is probably not the guy for you. I know that Darman and Greg seem like a really cute archetype for like a couple, but you know, if you have a kid that's gay, like you don't want to be the only one advocating for that kid or a kid that's trans, you know? So take this as a chance. Like he's kind of cracked open his brain a little and he might be giving you some insight that you may not have gotten for a very long time because that's such a specific thing. Especially if you're not a trans person, of course this should come up but like the way that we see people, but mm-hmm. it may have never come up and it might rear its head in some other way. So take this gift for what it is and yeah. find out if this guy is down to either change or have his mind altered a little you know, he doesn't have to be like, I love trans people, but kind of changing the conversation a little. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Ben says, you gave me some book writing advice on loop. So this is more of an update on that. There's also a question. I've started my first draft and I have an editor friend that's going to help me out when I get a few chapters done. Lit. Now to the question. What, what is one picture book- of a dog should go on the front? Dog sniffing <laughs> Daisy, dog sitting on barrel, dog in field. <laughs> 
Okay. What is one book other than your own that you think everyone should read? Ooh. That's a tough one. <laughs> well, look, I don't know what kind of book you're writing, and I think you're a dude. Ben, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, just in general, not just for I can't. Him. What do I... You just I pick out. three cups of tea over William Faulkner. Like, what am I supposed to pick? Um, you know, I mean, I don't. There's so That's many tough. I don't know Ben because <laughs> there are informational books, there are beautiful narratives, there's mm-hmm. books where the writer is super descriptive, there are factual books, there are books where it's a, a fiction and the writing isn't great, but it's a great spy story. So, mm. I mean, I just. I finished Educated, which was excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was some great, um, where the crawdads sing. I mean, these tend to be marketed more toward women. Mm. I, I don't know. I mean, I, when I read the Catcher in the Rye in high school, like no, that's a that tough one. one. I know, no, I know that's very tough. Read the Odyssey because everything is based on that. <laughs> I did love the Odyssey. Everyone, every journey, Homer wrote the Odyssey and everything is based on this Homeric epic. Mm-hmm. Um, every story structure, pretty much. So there's that. So read the Odyssey. But read the Cliff's Notes so you know what you're reading. <laughs> much Ado About Nothing is just a play, but a lot of things are based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm supposed to have a better answer. I was in both of those. I was in an Odyssey play and I was in a Much Ado About Nothing play. Cool. Everything is about, I don't know, what kind of genres do you like, you know? Like you probably don't- What's the thing you think everyone on the earth should read? It was a great book that was really deep and I read in high school was She's Come Undone. I remember reading that. Mm. Um, God, what did I just finish reading that I did not like? Don't say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> Start uh, a book, don't finish it. Read a sample on Kindle, see if you like, but I don't have. There's so many books. Girl Logic. By no, he said book. besides oh, your right. book. Well, I don't know. Jonathan, hi, Lies and Baby Arm. From one member of the tribe to another, how do you feel when someone says you don't look Jewish? Compliment or microaggression? Microaggression. Do you think this was a compliment from our parents' generation when looking Jewish was not a positive? It's still not a positive. Uh, I don't consider, and I don't care what you think about this. I don't, you got people like Natalie Portman and like some, you get some Jews that are good looking. Most people are ugly in general, but no, I don't think of Jews as this stunning group um, so, but I do think, you know, th- th- that being said, there are plenty of beautiful Jewish people. Um, I don't think when people say that, it's like saying, oh, you're really well-spoken if you're black. Yeah. Or what, what it's a draw drops about being like a foreigner. Right. It's, um, it's something that people might really mean well, but it really, you have to look at the way you're delivering that. Yeah. You don't look Jewish. I think where I take offense is because what looks Jewish is a very Semitic sort of Sephardic look. You think Jewish, you think a big nose, you think curly brown hair. And if there's one thing we've been taught in our society, curly hair is a no-no, even though I have it. Uh, a big nose is never okay. All girls, regardless of Jewish, like especially everyone gets a nose job. Um, we want our noses to be so teeny and elf-like. There's no nostrils. <laughs> there's no bridge, um, no faces. Uh and and so there's that. So it's because it's like if I said you don't look Irish, that's more like, oh, you don't look like you have red hair, like the general things. And people tend to think Jewish people look a certain way. There's so many Jews all over the planet. There's so many of us. You you know, sometimes when I see a Jew who's just like good looking, I'm like, where did you get those jeans? Like my cousin Harley has the teeniest, per- most perfect little like scoop snow creature nose. And my mom has a beautiful nose. And my Aunt Debbie has a beautiful nose. My dad's side, the Chinskis, we don't have that. But, you know, so I don't think they mean it to be mean, but it is that thing where it's like, hey, just so you know, like you should just check the way that you pay your compliments. It also, I found this in my life with Jewish guys. It's almost like there's no way you could be Jewish because like we're not dating. There's no way blonde and, you know, in shape. Like there's just no way. And I'm like, there are plenty of beautiful Jewish girls. It It feels kind of like they're annoyed that I have modeled myself after the Christian archetypal, like Cape Cod looking. <laughs> like I look like a mom that lives in Malibu. Like I want, I was talking about it on the phone with my agent today. Cause she was like, I got to get my hair straight. And I was like, Oh, I get it. I was like, all I want is stringy blonde hair and like the thinnest body <laughs> and like a perfect nose. So of course we all model ourselves after what is uh, European and quote unquote acceptable. Um, that's the aesthetic. Kick it. <laughs> 
time for the cob. Taste the top with a cob. You're doing it right. Every day, you just take a bite. Top of the cob. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it now. My bottom of the cob is this bullshit idea that you can keep restaurant patios open and you're not spreading corona. Yeah. I passed this bullshit restaurant called Fratelli on Melrose. I think it was called Fratelli. And people were packed onto that patio and they had this sad piece of plexiglass that was only like a foot wide. I don't even know what that was supposed to do. That was just kind of affixed to the the border between the people walking by on the street and the people eating, but it wasn't yeah. the size, it wasn't the size of the entire patio. So it was just this one thing. And I was just like, this is also you don't get sued, but you're packing people in. They've got their masks off and they're eating, they're breathing. I've got my back to someone else. It's so fucking incredibly selfish that people continue to go to out, especially out in cities where it is an epidemic, like Los Angeles. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I got to eat on a patio. It's okay. We're outside. And your poor server is, you know, dressed like a butcher. And you're just like, well, it was important that I go to a hybrid smoothie panini sandwich place. You you are part of the problem and like use your fucking brain. You, you're sitting that close to people without a mask and you think because you're eating, it doesn't matter. It just, it's so, I understand businesses were losing them, but like this is only being prolonged because people are like, I got to get back to my life mm-hmm. of eating buffalo cauliflower. Oh, I want to drive by with a megaphone and be like, you're the reason my career came to a halt, you selfish fucking pieces of shit. Did you hear about squirrel? Yes. <laughs> but that's unrelated. I was just thinking about people wanting so badly to go to these places in LA and then like they have moldy jam. And you uh, know what? It's also all of these precautions, all the single-use plastic, I've talked about this before. It's also people don't get sued because that's what America runs on. It's not about genuine concern for souls. It's so that restaurant can li- liability-wise cover itself and be like, well, we offered the six feet apart and we put the plastic. We did all the rules. Yeah. That's it. Well, my bottom of the cup is that today I woke up, gre- greeted my baby, and both her eyes have yellow goop in them. Oh, no. <sighs> What's happening with her? She's having a herpes flare-up, I guess. Oh, that's rough. So now I got to keep an eye on it because it's like if it's just goo and I clean it out every day, it should be okay. But if it gets bad... And she starts scratching at her eyes. She can do permanent eye damage. So now I have to keep an eye on it. Don't let her scratch you. You'll get herpes. No, I can't get it. But she, I just have to now like keep a super eye, even a closer eye than I usually keep on her. Isn't that ironic? You got to keep eyes on her. Um, My top of the cob. um, I shot a show the other day and they were, it's so clean. Like you have your own dressing room. You come in, everyone's got to keep their mask on. Like they took every precaution. Mm-hmm. Um, no one was near anyone. And even me and the other panelists, we had like a thing between us. Um, but I got my hair done for it. Mm-hmm. And I love the next day after you've taken out all your fake hair and stuff, how your hair is still kind of done. And you wake up with this like tousled beachy hair, a lot less of it because it's your actual hair. But I just love how like voluminous and like, like the afterglow having your hair done the next day. What if I came into work? What if I started wearing extensions just to beef up my hair? You have so much, you, your hair is so beefy. It's like um, a limp chocolate octopus that just hangs over and just loses it's tentacles so every couple of feet. It's so warm outside. My top of the cup. The only normalcy I have in these times is the Real Housewives. You got to stop. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just saying that's my top of the cob is that I have- You got to get a more specific one. Top of the cob was designed to be like, oh, when you pluck a raspberry, that first little tickle of your nose. It's supposed to be something specific, not- Okay, when I watch Beverly Hills and New York, I like to watch women over 50 cry. You can't work for me anymore. (laughs) There's something wrong with you. You know what's weird? Because they all seem so together. And it's like, oh my God, like the fact that like they're in rehab now. Like when you meet these women, they're like, I'm married. These are my children. I've got a jewelry line. It's like, I'm fucking another woman and I'm crying and I'm in rehab. One woman is so, so rich. She's like, I'm friends with Dolce and Gabbana. And she goes to the store and they're like, here's some special clothes for just you to try on. And she's like crying. Like, I don't like to try on clothes in public. Send them to my room. Send them to my room. And everyone's like, We're so why are fucked. you on this show? We're so fucked as a society. People are so fucking delicate and lazy and sad. All right. You guys, keep up after your dreams. Don't drop out of med school. Get that degree. Tell the people around you how you feel. Stand up for yourself. And most important of all, take two peach halves, put them together, and you'll have a dog. Take it. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza.